yeah, it's the Bareback Bad Boys, the Kings of Rock, the Bad Boys 3 of wrestling podcasts. I am, of course, Will Smith. No. My Martin Lawrence. No. No, you are definitely Martin Lawrence. Me. I am Well-respected actor, Scientologist, you, drug addict. Man who has- Talented drug addict and respected Scientologist here. <laughs> I'm Dylan Gott, and that is- I am- Will Smith, John Hastings. <laughs> I'm fucking Will Smith. You know what? You've been demoted. Was Danny DeVito in that movie? Who was the tech guy? In which movie? Bad Boys. Danny DeVito was not the tech guy. Uh, Cypher from The Matrix was the <laughs> boss. Uh, and Cypher from The Matrix, okay. He was the boss. He was always just playing basketball and smoking cigars because in the 90s they loved nothing. I like that. They loved nothing more than smoking while doing sports. Man, movies need that again. Just a guy smoking a giant cigar, hitting threes. Did you ever see the episode of Baywatch where yes. David Hasselhoff yes, I have. wins at a two-on-two tournament? Yeah, with that dude. And the guy's like, everyone thinks because I'm fat, I'm shit at this, but I'm actually really good at jumpers. But he can't jump. And he just hits all the shots. And a young Steph Curry saw that and was like, that's my life. It's so interesting, the 90s love of cigar. I want to point out, by the way, that Right before we started the show, we said we have a lot to get through, no riffs and japes, and we're now about to talk about cigar fads in the 90s for 10 minutes. And Baywatch. (laughs) Also, watch the first, uh, watch the opening, all the Baywatch Nights are on YouTube, watch (laughs) watch any of the openings of Baywatch Nights, because it's literally David Hasselhoff running down a beach, (laughs) and then he's like, what's in this dark cave? (laughs) Who should we send to tackle these monsters? I'd say a, a, a lifeguard who's 66. Yeah, let's do yeah. You know, every lifeguard is maximum 26, and then they get a real job? Well, this guy just stayed a lifeguard because he loves YP, as he put it. That means yeah, young pussy. pussy. Yeah. Um, again, never forget, David Hasselhoff, which when he was in the Edinburgh Festival uh, a couple of years back, walking through the streets, someone asked him, hey, can I have a photograph? And David Hasselhoff just posed in the middle of the street with his girlfriend and said, you can take a photo of that. <laughs> photo with David Hasselhoff means you take a photo of him with your camera. That's so fucking awesome. Did you know he tried to start his own version of MySpace called Hopspace? <laughs> it's the same website, except your first thing you are is friends with, instead of Tom, you're friends with David Hasselhoff. I mean, that's really good. That's really good stuff. Yeah, I'm surprised that it wasn't just immediately. Like, Hopspace has been shut down for vast vast sharing of revenge yeah porn. <laughs> it's uh hoff space also known as uh where uh the no ask cream pie videos originated from <laughs> has been shut down david hasselhoff <laughs> david hasselhoff <laughs> when reached for comment said well i'm the baker and i guess they knew where to get their baked goods david hasselhoff is then killed <laughs> that's the uh, that's uh, such a visceral and awful sentence. Ladies and gentlemen, we are, of course, doing Vince McMahon Sr. Part de the Capital Wrestling Years. The David Hasselhoff of the, uh, of the wrestling world. Shockingly successful. Definitely a piece of shit. Could be blamed on mental illness, but the more you get into it, you realize, no, this is just personality. All of this is a choice. <laughs> He's making these choices. God, I hate this awful man. I was thinking about what you said in the first episode about how they're all just, they all have stakes, like that's the hype, because 
I didn't even think about this, but this is 1957 when we're picking up the story, and this is before any sort of culinary um, expansion as far as ethnicity goes. So it really is just wasps eating wasp food, where it's like, for breakfast, you'll have cereal, because you can't have gravy yet. And then as soon as it hits 11 a.m., cup of gravy just to start the day. No, 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 because you'd give give cereal to kids, because that's a new wave crazy thing they're doing on the West Coast. 1957, if you're Vince McMahon Syria, this is your breakfast. Three eggs, bacon, sausage, salt, no ketchup, not a woman. <laughs> salt is a side. <laughs> salt is on the side <laughs> for dipping like a sauce. Bowl of salt. <laughs> Would you like some ketchup? Uh, I'm not a baby, so no. I'm good with my bowl of salt, like, pussy. 1957, is this is, like, I guarantee Vince McMahon drank milk the way um most people drink water now like you wouldn't drink water now oh yeah yeah yeah. glass of water i saw a glass am i in the hospital with a glass of milk (laughs) i saw a guy with a glass of milk just like alone on a park bench and i just was like i'm gonna call 911 because that's a pedophile (laughs) there's no way you're drinking milk in public if you're not a pedophile that that guy the police could take that guy down the police would then call the army they'd be like we got to shoot this that's so funny did he have a glass or a bottle because if he was literally sitting on a park bench with a glass he brought from home of milk that guy that guy fucked something that we you didn't know could you could like that guy just fucked a car (laughs) <laughs> no, it was like a plastic takeaway cup. Oh. So it was like, do you want um, milk with your coffee? Just the milk. Yeah. No coffee. You c- Can you charge me for staring at your boobs, hey, too? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yum, 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 yum. Large yum. coffee, lots of milk. Hold the coffee. <laughs> so you come here often? <laughs> Can I, I'm going to be licking the ground for a while. Good good two hours of licking the ground just because your shoes were on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, go vote yourself. How much for your insoles? I like to chew them like tobacco. <laughs> oh, okay, so on that note, <laughs> after Capital Wrestling's formation, it quickly grew. Because this is the best thing about wrestling is how wrestling catches on to things late. And literally one of the things that wrestling caught on to late is New York's a place I where know. Things, a lot I of was, things I, As I was reading the research, <laughs> I was thinking this exact same thing is that it took, it took the wrestling genre until the late 50s to realize that New York was the epicenter of culture in America. <laughs> Very funny. Because they're like, wait a minute, this place has nine baseball teams. Yeah. There's a chorus line on every street. I think we could put some uh, wrestling fans yeah. in here. What? No. No. Chicago's the better one. Yeah. <laughs> or St. Louis. You make it in Raleigh or you make it nowhere, you dumb motherfucker. We don't go to New York. Let me tell you what's wrong with New York. Trains are supposed to be above the ground. Anything below the ground, that's the <laughs> devil's work. They're probably drinking water down there <laughs> like a bunch of fucking communists. <laughs> so here's what happens. They go from 24 to 36 wrestlers. Capital's TV program was seen in 11 states. One of the top uh, draws, who is Antonio Roca, who I totally mistook with Angela Roca, who played in the CFL at the time, in the 60s. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm just shocked that the was CFL was happening in the 60s. Go ahead. And this is, pr- this is probably why Vince McMahon doesn't like tag teams, because Antonio Roca and Miguel Perez both co- uh, commanded such high salaries because they as a team were the top draws for Vince Senior early on and obviously if you have to pay two guys top dollar that's you get two guys top dollar and they're just one entity you know what I mean they're not two guys top dollar and they're a feud 
that you can keep going back to. Yeah, it's I, I completely see... There's a lot of seeds in this episode in particular. You can see the neuroses that Vince McMahon Jr. has about life that came from this. Because you, gar- I guarantee Vince McMahon Sr. had a couple of doers on the rocks and woke his son up and just ranted to him about the fucking fabulous kangaroos. <laughs> I didn't know. So the first, basically the thing that made Vince McMahon the reason he could have double-breasted cocaine suits in the 80s that paid for that goddamn man's uh, teenage years was Anto- An- Tony- Antonio Roca and Miguel Perez feuding with Johnny Valentine, who became in. And all- and they did the exact same thing with Johnny Valentine, because he was the TV champion, as they did with Pat Patterson later, which was they just invented a tournament that he won. It's fantastic. And also, Johnny Valentine, one of the more fascinating wrestlers ever in that no one seems to like him. He seems like essentially a sociopath who found a place where he could exert his power over the weak-willed, yet always drew money. For inexplicably no reason. His matches are like watching shadows get longer. (laughs) But that's probably like... I was thinking about what makes a crazy person in the 1950s and just dyeing your hair. (laughs) Yeah. A man... Okay. What? what, A man dyed his hair? He's a fucking sissy boy. I'll I'll go you one step further. You can't eat in here, buddy. Not with that dyed hair. The fact that they were routinely shirtless also meant that they were outlaws oh yeah and the fact that i looked at a, a picture of uh jerry graham dr jerry graham oh. who we'll be talking about Were later hard? and i was, was expecting to see something that i didn't see which Nipples? was an, a man with abs or a biceps <laughs> dr jerry graham is like me if i just did creatine and stopped working out yeah like here's the thing to remember because of our diet and just like way, like lack of exposure to the chain smokers you and i could have been wrestlers in the 50s and Brock Lesnar level domination. Dude, I've seen the people on, um, like, I, I did a panel show with The Blade from AEW. Yeah. And uh, if we worked out, our finisher would be the double choke slam in AEW. Like, we'd be the Undertaker in Kane. <laughs> we'd be power opponents. Oh, yeah. If I knew there was a reality where I could have just gained 100 pounds and literally been Vader somehow. I mean, I'm not athletic, so I could not have been Vader. But I could have been Bastion Booger. You still can, baby. <laughs> and I could be in AEW right now. I'd be very unhealthy. Let me, say this about a- Let's let me say this about wrestling, and it's a true indictment of my intellect. It took me into my 30s to realize, oh, they lie about the height as well. They lie about the height. When That's, yeah, true, because I always go, um, this guy's actually really small. <laughs> like when I, not like like trust me, the guy, the blade. Uh, you see him, and it's it, like you look at his. Just looking at him in a shirt, you you have to remind yourself to stop staring. Yeah, because you're like, I've never seen anyone that muscular, and he's not. He doesn't really stand out on wrestling TV as muscular, but in person, you're like, stop staring. <laughs> he'll 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 be like, sir. I am not just meat. And you're like, oh, I'm Incorrect sorry. Incorrect, you are. Hey, listen, friend of the show. <laughs> friend of the show. I'm sorry. I, I just got to your stomach. I've not even made myself familiar with your thighs yet, sir. So I've got another five minutes of staring at you. I went to an, I've been to an arts festival with one Colt Cabana. And let me tell you, that is. You have. I, that is. If anyone's like, uh, women are not nearly as sexual, uh, as sexual as men, incorrect. You're just not attractive to women. That guy, it's it's That's like true. walking around with a pretty dog. Like everyone just says hello to him. How are you doing? 
Yeah, and you look at him on wrestling, and it's like, oh, that guy could probably get in shape. Yeah, and then you see him in, but in, so- in real life. In society, yeah. it's literally women are walking in front of speeding cars, and they're just like, um, <laughs> would you like some money, sir? I'm okay, actually. Well, okay, good. Every comedian has decided that women uh, are most attracted to Luke Perry from 90210. And let me tell you this, Laser from American <laughs> Gladiators got some pussy, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, every comedian just has, like, it just jean on jean and leather. Leather shoes somehow. <laughs> leather leather socks. They pick the jean and the leather things poorly. Yeah. yeah. Le- leather socks. Uh, my f- jean underwear. Mm. Yeah. As... <laughs> My genitals are very chapped, miss. We're going to have to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> As a, a friend of the show, Graham K., uh, I yelled at him recently, uh, women aren't attracted to dock workers. You just got to do crunches. And he said, no, that's not true. You have to be stylish. It's one of the many times when Graham K. I think it's both. No, no. The idea that fashion is the difference between you, someone wanting to sleep with you and someone not wanting to sleep with you. And I mean, if you're wearing a fucking t-shirt that you got for free in a be- in a case of beer in the 90s, that's one thing. But it's one of the many times where that fucking prima donna idiot is literally yelling at me about fashion. Where I'm just like, you don't know about fashion. You're wearing two different shades of gray, you fucking idiot. Everyone, tweet at Graham K. And also go buy his comedy album. But tweet <laughs> no. at Graham K. Don't tweet at Graham K. Buy Graham K.'s comedy album. I forget what it's called, but it's got a picture of him crying in makeup. It's very—he's a very it's funny. It's got one comedian. of the worst covers in the history of comedy albums. It's called Girlfriend Material. Go buy, go buy his album and tweet at Graham K. You are not stylish. Tweet at Graham K. <laughs> buy his album. Give it five stars and a review, but tweet at him. I didn't. Oh, and by this. the way, I would also like to say this: uh, we don't have a form for the podcast, so I would like to use. Uh, the rating section for Graham K's album on iTunes, uh, Girlfriend That's Material. If you have any comments for the show for the next couple of months, <laughs> we'll be using that area. As yeah, forget the tweets. Just rate his album five stars, but also comment about <laughs> comment the show. About with our show. It'll, <laughs> the, don't also state what it's about. Just start talking. Just start talking about wrestling, fat loads, Jerry Lawler being yeah. a pedophile, Johnny Valentine being a sociopath. Talk with your friends about what you're going to do that yeah, night. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm thinking B-dubs. Oh, you want to go to a Buffalo? Oh, I, I'm sorry we're distracted. We'll be focused for the rest of the episode. Uh, the guy now advertising the B-dubs near my house, Dylan, uh, he's, got an, he's got an eye patch that inexplicably is stained with what I think is mustard. That's good. I thought If I had one eye, I'd constantly be wiping things on the patch. <laughs> It's a napkin for your face. Oh, God, because I get uh, I vape to not smoke, and there's a lot of oil on there, so it'd just be an oil up eye <laughs> That'd be fucking disgusting. Speaking anyway. of a man with oily eyes, Vince McMahon Senior. Oh, that is actually probably true. So here's a fun thing: Vince McMahon Senior, big of course, of course, if you're going to think about this with his son, he's a big proponent of Buddy Rogers. Now. This is Buddy Rogers would be and would become the first NWA champion who wasn't a goddamn shooter or didn't think he was a shooter, which means didn't know how to defend himself. Because let's say this, for all the things Luthez uh, says and for all the things the NWA champions say, um, the reason why they had um, enforcers back then, a guy who would roll through the NWA uh, and make sure that no one fucked around just because they were actually dangerous people and Luthez was a 
man in a play. <laughs> he was a man in a play. Luthez knew how to hook and shoot people like Chris Pratt does. I'm sure Chris Pratt is actually probably a dangerous guy because he learned a lot of stuff for movies. Will Smith knows how to box. That's a real thing. Will Smith, when he, when he played Muhammad Ali, learned how to box. Will Smith could beat up Luthez. <laughs> Will Smith would whip his ass while singing Get Jiggy with Oh, him. absolutely. That's the best part about um, uh, all wrestling tough guys is they act like they're the baddest motherfuckers on the planet. I could fucking take them downtown. Yeah, like uh, Brock Lesnar, you could beat up Brock Absolutely. Lesnar. I'd need a crossbow and some time, but I could fucking do it. <laughs> I, I'd need something that loads faster than a crossbow. I'd need like some sort of sword gun. No, no. Again, but here's the thing is Brock Lesnar, A, has lost a lot of muscle mass. B, I would <laughs> kill. I'd sh- he's lost a lot of muscle mass. He's down from 330 to That's 390. Right. <laughs> he's he's, he's in my fucking strike zone, baby. And also, I would attack him in his sleep. Oh, that's true. I would, I would uh, do the Bugs Bunny thing where I dress up like a girl and then he's attracted to me, <laughs> and, then I'd f- and then I'd fuck him and then bury him alive. That's good. Who, um, who do you think? I actually is that Sable? I don't think Brock Lesnar would be that hard to fight because you just literally just go Brock five times ten. Um, f- uh, you get a boner eating up. Yeah, you'd just be like, is it sixty nine? Aha! <laughs> <laughs> Brock, look over there. It's a woman reading a book that's not about tall ships. What the fuck? And you fucking out. So 1958, uh, we got Mark Lewin and Don Curtis arriving in Capitol. They won the U.S. Tag Team Championship in another fictionalized tournament. So what you're seeing here is a pattern that also, like we say, established to this day, which is your top guys don't need titles. The guys who need titles are the guys who need to be made. Of course, this actually makes more sense than uh, Don Curtis and Mark Lewin didn't then just lose to uh, the revival, and then the revival dressed up as chickens. So it's not the same booking, but it is similar. And they feud with the Graham brothers, uh, who we'll be talking about in a second. Of course, Doctor J Graham was Vince McMahon Jr.'s favorite wrestler. Favorite wrestler. Also, uh, his mom spent all of his money on uh, various super crazy born again Christian ideas, like a spaceship to take you to God or a secret island church. And when his mom died, Doctor J Graham stole the body and drove around New York with it. That's true. I mean, the Dr. Jerry Graham story with the stealing the mom's body, I read that as is tried to fuck his mom's dead body, but I think that might just be me. No, he ate <laughs> out his mom. He's not going to fuck her. That's not... Don't don't be stupid. This isn't a stupid podcast. Yeah, you're right. I overset my bounce and I apologize. I'm sorry, Dylan. I'm sorry. Come monkeys. <laughs> so... Vince adds a TV show, a second TV show, and I think SmackDown should be like this because uh, it's in a Knights of Columbus Hall in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I would love every week live from the Knights of Columbus Hall. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Friday Nights of the SmackDown. An organization that sounds racist. We're coming, from, we're coming to you from Bristol, Connecticut, the home of murderer Aaron Hernandez in our main event. <laughs> Tyson Fury is off of his meds and he just tries to figure out if the wrestler in the ring is real or if it's a schizophrenic breakdown. Brock Lesnar is educating women about contraceptives. Spoiler alert, he doesn't like them, he doesn't believe in them, he thinks all vaginas are doorways to places that make you not eat meat, 
And in our opening contest, it's Paul Heyman trying to get a bank loan with a fake identity. <laughs> it would be good. There's less wrestlers now that, um, although apparently Tessa Blanchard's quite a piece of shit. Which of I was course. like, when I heard, oh, apparently Tessa Blanchard's a bully and a racist. Like, her dad's yeah, Tully Blanchard. Like, it's, we're, we're all lucky that she actually even speaks to human beings and doesn't just walk around trying to sh- literally shit on people. <laughs> or just like taking people's cigarettes and putting them out and be like, shouldn't smoke. Yeah, then she puts, then she smokes the cigarette. She takes two puffs of the cigarette and goes, <laughs> but I can't. And, and then flicks it in the person's eye. Like, like aims the cigarette so that it'll it'll curl in a roll and the cherry of the ember will land in their iris and as they're on the ground she just goes ah, that's what you get <laughs> so this is important of course the connecticut cuz connecticut is right near illinois and what happens is um he can kind of expand into chicago vince junior vince senior can sorry um without really p- Turning on a full wrestling war, so 1959, of course, and the uh, and I actually me, just, brings more can we impressive just something quickly about Chicago. The reason why Chicago is very important is a yeah. lot of television networks were based in Chicago because in a time of uh, antennas and signals, Chicago is essentially in the middle of America, so you cover more of a population base, having your main hub station in Chicago as opposed to New York or Los Angeles at the time. So it was a way to reach the most amount of the south, the most amount of the east coast, the most amount of the west coast, was have stuff in Chicago. So controlling Chicago then was like controlling uh, New York now. It just meant that you go make some money. Yeah. Vince Jr. is, or Vince Sr., fuck. Vince Sr., goddammit, is in a war with, uh, I'm going to mess this up, Cola Coarini. And... Basically, he's got two shows, so he's he's thinking, if I have two shows, then everyone will think Vince Sr. is the most successful, and it worked out. And he kind of had a deal with Vince, uh, with Cola, sorry, um, to promote uh, split cards at non-televised events, particularly at Madison Square Garden. So obviously, he's letting him think he's getting in at Madison Square Garden. Vince senior was a lot more diplomatic with this type of stuff than a lot of other bookers who wanted to feel like they were tough guys whereas vince senior was taught by a sad irish man uh to be sad and irish so that's what he was he just basically was like you can have some of it did you know when we die there's probably no god and then they went what and he went just put your guys and tights on too I yeah did care. you know uh, imaginary men uh, will fight each other the catholic priests are the Catholic priest once whispered in my ear, uh, you know, nothing, not even your memories. That's why, uh, that's why I do wrestling. If nothing, anyway. yeah, yeah, God is dead and I'm the one who killed him. <laughs> and then he invented Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Vince McMahon's senior loved Slayer. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Chicago was, as you said, uh, very important to wrestling, and also times were uh, times were tough. So Vince can kind of move there because he has once again taught the world that New York has a lot of people in it, and also did the whole thing where he is far enough away from everybody, and where he can kind of do his own type of wrestling because New York was such a dead territory. He started putting on essentially. More circus-type shows, and people really liked it. 
Yeah, it's um, also of course, this is also a weird time in that I, I actually I got confused. Just to clarify. So Vince is in the NWA in 1958, 1959. Yes. Yeah, he doesn't. Re- so basically, this episode is going to culminate with leaving him the NWA. So he's in the NWA the whole in 1963. Time. Yeah. So yeah, but he's still. Here's the thing about Vince. He's always friendly with the NWA, but as we're gonna read on, the there's two different types of friendly. Basically, uh, the big thing to remember is Vince is in the NWA. So he doesn't necessarily need to worry about things like promoting the champion. He's also getting a national network that's backing him up, all that sort of stuff. So when it comes to things like a territory war, all that sort of stuff, he's always at a huge advantage because uh, he can rely on uh, talent from other territories. Uh, also hilariously in this time frame, Jack Pfeffer, the guy who uh, who originally outed wrestling as being fake to the Senate and also then made a career of promoting fake versions of popular wrestlers such as Bruno, Bruno Sand Martino and uh, uh, Antonio Roca, uh, Rocco uh, or the amazing Zuma, who was another ripoff of Antonio Roca, uh, comes back into the uh, Northeast to take on Vince McMahon and... Uh, the backstage war was on, but Vince, of course, uh, bah, 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 won again. Basically, ladies and gentlemen, the late 50s was just a time where Vince McMahon uh, got into Monday Night Wars, but they weren't on television, so it was just like Sunday afternoon skirmishes with other men in fucking sport coats who va- smelled vaguely like Merit cigarettes. Um, so the war ends because him and uh, McMahon basically has more stroke in the area and Antonio Roca to lose, sorry, beat the mighty Zuma three times and three countouts. Um, the third time had a huge gate. Everyone wanted, uh, everyone, you could probably see the crowd was like, oh, the Zuma will get one back. He did not. And then that kind of, uh, killed the mighty Zuma as a draw, but make no mistake. The mighty Zuma for, uh, a year was a draw. Of course. Which is a classic, like. If you can hear his son just being like, well, I mean, if he was a real draw, he would have survived those three losses. Yeah. If, he, uh, if the crowd really loved him, he would have survived the newspaper smear campaign uh, where we said to everyone that uh, we alerted everyone to the fact that he was, in fact, an Italian. <laughs> Watch out, everyone. Uh, the amazing Zuma's Italian. If your daughter dates him, your grandchildren might be black. <gasps> we can't see this man wrestle. Italian, though. What? Both I thought Italian. the Antonio Rocco was Puerto Rican. Miguel Perez. There we go. Sorry. Once again, Vince McMahon Sr., the uh, the great promotional tactic of noticing people that aren't white also have money. <laughs> Sam Muchnick went, like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> that. The hell out of my office. Yeah. This is a meat locker. Well, well, then stay in it. If I wanted money from people that didn't look like me, I'd go to a fucking store and rob it or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm out of analogies. All this meat's really giving me uh, some sort of... I'm too busy being constipated for the last fucking year and a half. Now you listen to me, Batman. Me and you are going to kill Darth Maul. Ooh, oh, I, I've done too much glue again. <laughs> yeah, I was just really busy. Just I don't... <sighs> Check this out. Vince McMahon Sr. fucks over Ed... Contos of Baltimore. He switches promoters on him. Ed Contos gets super pissed and sues him for $300,000. Vince McMahon Sr. 
Toots Mondet, and Capital Wrestling, of course, uh, for a monopoly. This is very interesting because the NWA is, all, of course, as we talked about in our previous episode, having antitrust issues as well, and Vince McMahon Sr. gets tied up in it. And then the FBI, uh, who at this time, make no mistake, was just getting over the fact that um, I read a book on it, and basically all of these guys were, that were hired were just men that J. Edgar Hoover were, was attracted yeah. to. So the FBI <laughs> in the early years was essentially just the most deeply closeted man the United States has ever encountered, which is really saying So something. crazy. Like, like, literally, like, J. Edgar Hoover's... Evil Richard Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Liberace, but without uh, without restraint. Yeah, evil Liberace. <laughs> it's just terrifying. Uh, Mike Pence. Yeah, no, evil, evil Richard Simmons is the perfect analogy. Listen, this is how you knew that someone was a gay guy in the 50s, is if they just had a friend that lived with them. Like, they don't, like, there was all these people in, like, weird positions of power that are like, uh, my name is Don Henson. I'm uh, 75. This is my roommate of 40 years, Jim Turduskin, and uh, we live in a one-bedroom apartment. Also, J. Edgar Hoover was you know, famous for, I don't think I need to tell you guys, if you listen to this, you're probably a learned nerd, but he kept folders on celebrities who he thought would become communists or were helping communists like he was a super fucking fucked up guy. But he did also rightly see the evil that would become Vince McMahon Jr. Uh, he also um, uh, was a notorious cross-dresser uh, and uh, may have uh, ignored the mob's existence for over 30 years because they had a photo of him in a dress and he just figured, well, I can't I, I can't handle people knowing that about me, so I better if I can just... <laughs> well, this is the fun part. This is the fun part, because on top of the situation, the Contos lawsuit, Dr. Jerry Graham testifies to the FBI and uh, attorney George Little that Vince McMahon Jr. Sr. was just a figurehead for Capital Wrestling and Mont was the really man, really the man in charge. It's so good. But all of his testimony is made inadmissible in court because he's so nuts. Isn't that good stuff? Ooh. Like, he would come on, say a bunch of pertinent information, of course, and then be like... And that's why I'd whoop Joe Lewis and Sonny Liston at the same goddamn time. So as my next piece of evidence, bring those two pieces of shit out here. Because Dr. Jerry's about to suck them off. That's what you do so they're docile. Yeah. If you milk them, then they don't have the calcium to attack you. (laughs) Put them both in here, boys. I do two at once. It's like taking the oil out of an engine. (laughs) (laughs) Vince Vince Jr. at this time is uh, riding around in Dr. J. Graham's car And uh, Dr. J. Graham is drunk 24 hours of the day and 7 days of the week And I guarantee just saying crazy stuff about what it means to be a man Which is why Vince McMahon Jr. is the way that he is Like, never forget Vince McMahon Junior was asked by a journalist, what do you think of all these wrestlers that have worked for uh, you dying so young? And his answer was, what do you think about it? After he threw, he <laughs> knocked the guy's papers out of his hands and made fun of him for being a little pussy with it just going, and then knocks the paper out of his hands. Like, so we'll, yeah. Uh, p- 
We're the conditions talk, you've created uh, have murdered gonna... a bunch of people. Well, I used to hang out with a man named Jerry Graham that told me that the only, uh, the only good response to any question is to make sure that the person knows they're a bitch. You're a bitch. <laughs> We're going to take a break after this little fun thing, which is Jerry Graham uses his FBI interview to disparage Bruno <laughs> San Martino. And he was like, yeah, they told me to lose to him, but I wouldn't lose. So basically he's outing wrestling as being fake, which the FBI guys are like, we don't care about that right now. But like you said in the first part, there is this weird curiosity with wrestling being fake or real you just not that it's fake or real you just want them to say it's fucking fake and the guy who's dressed as a flamingo just keeps maintaining no flapping your arms is a way to hurt i love (laughs) all they want to do so i love that this is how carny wrestling is at times is that uh um so are you involved in a monopoly uh i can't spell that world but let me tell you who sucks big dicks bruno sam mark Piss bag. Um, yeah, I don't actually know who that is. Well, you're gonna, sir. You're gonna. You're gonna know. It's gonna be in the dictionary. You just look up bitch, and there he is. Oh, it's fantastic. It's so fucking great that wrestlers, when faced with real jail time on a federal level, are still like, I'm in character. Yeah. And if these FBI guys try and take me down, I better beat the shit out of them because then I won't get booked with Watts anymore. I better take this opportunity to let everyone know that (laughs) Bruno Sammartino can't draw anywhere south of Connecticut. (laughs) Uh, Oh, fuck. I'm getting beat up by these FBI guys. Can you do me a favor? Take my dick out so everyone knows it's big at least. (laughs) What? Just take my fucking dick out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're going to fight? Let me just get my cock out. (laughs) All right. So we got to take a break right now but then we're going to come back because all this antitrust stuff leads to a little uh, formation of a little company called the awa by wally carbo and Vern Gagne. baby it's about to get chain wrestling up in Ooh. here so we'll talk about that after who's the break. excited for the awa no one was no one is oh hi everyone i think you're all wondering does dylan use condoms no and that's why you need to do- donate to patreon because he has a lot of children his wife doesn't know about I am the king. I coined the phrase risky cream pie. <laughs> and you need to give me to Patreon to help my maybe there's a baby fund. Patreon.com backslash wrestler review. If you don't want to do that, uh, you're a fucking loser. But if you're still a fucking loser and you're okay with that, rate us on iTunes. It does help with the algorithms for old fucking uh, Steve Slobs' goddamn Apple things. So rate us on iTunes, rate us on SoundCloud, rate us in real life, 1 to 10. Here's a hint, we're both 10s. When we last left you before the break, the FBI was involved in uh, uh, investigating a fake sport while the mafia was still very much being denied as it exists. Oh no, the FBI had just been revealed to have existed for over 30 years in America, but the federal government had their uh, sights set on a man with a pompadour who eats red meat for breakfast and I assume didn't use a toilet for the back 30 years of his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was like, the only vegetables I eat are pussy. Ha, ha, ha. That's real, though. I have many, many intestinal problems. Um, Vince McMahon Sr., by the way, during that investigation, this is one thing we didn't cover. His office was bugged, which probably explains Vince McMahon Jr.'s hatred of the federal government because they bugged his dad's office, something that Vince McMahon probably paid for by getting beaten by his father because there is no way that Vince McMahon Sr. was a man that treated children with respect. And also, 
How do you not notice a bug in the 60s? Uh. It was probably like, <laughs> just, uh, what's that huge tape recorder? Don't know? Not yeah. gonna ask. We're, we're Irish, after all. You don't ask about a man's belongings. We just, we just came in and there was a ceiling fan that doesn't spin, that buzzes if you're too close to it on the telephone. <laughs> don't knock and ask about it. Too Irish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who is the AWA's first champion, John? I'm going to assume that it is. It's a beige sweater with the Bible folded into the arms. Exactly. It's Vern yeah, Gagne. There we go. Yeah. And he just named himself the champion. Of course champion. he did. The champion is me. Here's the thing. Vern Gagne is the only guy that I'm like, yeah, I'm glad Vince Jr. fucking crushed you, you horrible, awful man. Here's how business works. I get everything and you do fucking sit-ups, you little fuck. Yeah, exactly. I take the whole door, but I'll give you all these t-shirts of me on them, and those are, I value them at $700 each, so I paid you $1,400. Yeah. Enjoy also, your t-shirts. everyone, go look up what his his son says some of the greatest bullshit about his own involvement in WCW, and also some of the best bullshit about uh, Hulk Hogan apparently coming back to the AWA right before they folded, which is so fucking, like, oh yeah, no, we were back talking to, we were talking to Terry. We were Terry was coming back. He wasn't happy with Junior. I love old promoters that try and fucking diminish Vince. Like, ah, yeah, that's right. I sleep in a VW hall, but I still don't fucking kowtow to Junior. Like, maybe you should. But that's that's all they have is calling him Junior because they know it. He doesn't like. Oh, that. it's great. I love it. It's how I call you, piss bag. There's no there's, <laughs> but there's no recourse. This guy completely destroyed my life. <laughs> my wife left me. At, at too late in life that either of us could find a new partner i'm calling this guy junior but again it's not that late in life um Vern and Vern Gagne had stacks of money and i i was more talking about um fritz von eric where his wife left him when they were both like 60 oh yeah no, and it's like i just when his wife was like i just want you to die alone and then he was like very well fair <laughs> and so i do uh, i gotta tell you i don't disagree uh but i won't be dying alone i'll be buried with uh I'll be buried with Buddy Jack Roberts' throat because uh, I always like talking <laughs> to that man, and so I paid a doctor to tell him that he had throat cancer, and now I have his voice box in a jar so we can have some fun conversations, dear. You tried to get one over on old Fritz von Eric, but I got news for you. <laughs> you gotta get up pretty early in the morning to make me lonely, I gotta tell you. I killed two of our sons so they could never leave. <laughs> Fritz von Eric, baby! <laughs> As my will outlines, I will be buried with all the remaining alive sons. So, Kevin, get in the coffin. Texas honors. It's yeah, going. as we all know, I loved all my kids but one. Kevin, always thought you were a cunt. Man, wear shoes, you bullheaded fuck. <laughs> I only kill the people that I love. My wife, still alive. Kevin, still alive. Michael Hayes, dead. <laughs> I replaced him with a bunch of junky bitches. Ha ha! Fritz of old Eric. <laughs> so, so uh, this is the first discussions about sending Buddy Rogers around the NWA loop and booking world champ, uh, world champ Pat O'Connor. So, of course, as we all know, if we're listening to this niche wrestling podcast, Buddy Rogers eventually wins the NWA title and becomes the first showman uh to be the nwa champion that is in 1961 the continuing antitrust uh lawsuit is happening toots mondit forms a new promotion in pittsburgh 
just to distance himself from Capital Wrestling. So that's real fun, especially since Vince uh, Sr. basically just kept Toots Monted on as a, this guy sucks and he's a weird drunk, but we need his, he knows all the guys, he knows how to get really small things done in New York, essentially, that you need. It's like, oh, okay, cool, you can run the MSG, but no, if you don't have Toots Mondet, uh no garbage will be picked up. Yeah. This is Vince Sr.'s steroid scandal. This is Vince Sr.'s steroid scandal, because it's a tumultuous year, but... Uh, things turn out because he managed to build a strong relationship with Sam Mushnick, who at this point is no longer the NWA president, but still booking the heavyweight champion. And he manages to convince, after some doing, that um, Buddy Rogers should be the NWA champion, much to the chagrin of people like Luthez, etc., who thinks the someone might shoot and just take the goddamn title but also buddy rogers at this point is drawing so well that you can't really dispute it also bruno does goes full-time at capital wrestling during this period um even though he does honor his last dates for roy shire in san francisco much to the chagrin of vince who had senior who had booked him that same this day. is uh, this is the point i also wanted to make toots mont and the whole um uh, steroid scandal much like um uh, the FBI scandal, much like the steroid scandal, in the moment, very difficult for the McMahon in question to go through. It also burns off all the dead wood within their organization. For Vince Jr., it actually gets Hulk Hogan out of the way. Yes, he goes to WCW, but that forces him into a situation where Vince has to rebuild and has his most profitable era ever in wrestling. For Vince Sr., it uh, moves Tootsmont pretty much out of the way. It also positions him, as we said, with Sam Muchnick and a bunch of the different other NWA promoters. Also, I guarantee to all these old weird fucks, the idea that Vince McMahon weathered the storm was like, uh, he's a good boy. Uh, so that uh, meant yeah. like, all right, we're with that. Like This guy is now someone we can trust. Let's build ourselves a sweet, build ourselves a sweet, sweet wrestling empire. First things first, let's... Get a man who will not listen to any instructions to be put in charge of uh, our title, and hopefully he listens. Oh, God, he's not going to listen. <laughs> yeah, Vince Sr. Uh, convinces Mushnick to become or <laughs> to become the... You should be the world champ, Sam. Buddy Rogers to become the champion. Uh, he wins the title in front of 38,000 uh, people. Two out of three falls, of course, against Pat O'Connor. Now, this is where it becomes fun. He was a tremendous success. Named Wrestler of the Year, 1961-1963. Drawing a million dollars for Chicago and New York. But Vince Jr. Or sorry, Senior, fuck. Vince Senior, goddammit, isn't booking Rogers in all the small shitty towns because he doesn't want Buddy Rogers to seem small time. And this is the backbone of the NWA, which is you get the champion to fucking, yeah, he, oh, he's such a rich, talented champion, Ric Flair is, but he's also going to wrestle in this swamp Woo. for 36 people because we take care of everybody. Vince Sr., of course, doesn't see it that way, but this is so much like mob struggles because they are waiting to make their move. They never do it immediately. They all make their move when they have the power to. Yeah, they all. So this flies in the face of tradition, of course. It's all they all come from yeah. the side. They're never going to come directly at you. They're all kind of coming from a weird ass angle, and then a toot 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 goodbye. Yeah, and uh, the main issue, of course, is Mushnick was uh, not being paid his royalties for using the NWA title. So if you're in the mob, basically, he's not paying tribute. Yeah. 
um, by McMahon. He's not he's not paying him royalties uh, too much, Nick. Sorry if I repeated that. Uh, he's not paying royalties at all. All, 12 payments were late and all. Mushtick McMahon also had disagreements over Rogers appearing in tag matches uh, and what venues he appeared in across New York. So this, of course, is October of 61, and we're going to form the WWWWF in about two years. So Rogers has a serious arm injury. Of course, by the way, at this point, the NWA's most heralded champion of all time, Luthez, fucking hates him. Oh, yeah. That's another thing you have to take into account. He fucking hates him. He's also 9,000 years old, but who cares? Yeah, it's Luthez. Be careful. If him and Vern Gagne ever had a baby, it would just be the word no written in steel. (laughs) So... The big cities loved Buddy Rogers. Apparently, small towns hated him just because of his rule-breaking stuff. It, that wasn't seen as like, a, oh, we'll pay to see him get the shit kicked out of him. It was seen as, I don't even show up because this guy's a cheater. And this leads to uh, this leads to the North-South divide in wrestling that stands to this day. That, it, that AEW's trying to do, but they wrestle like it's a goddamn fucking flip show. Goddamn. Yeah, all right. Get a headlock. Easy Jim Cornette. God, and, uh, Jesus wear fucking pink. Christ. That's all you need to do. What? I'm doing God. I think that Jim Cornette, what he said about Ethiopia was right, and he should be the entire end of you. It should just be him and Marty Scroll doing promos. That's you. Wear pink. Put a guy in a headlock. That's yeah. wrestling. They hate you because you're wearing pink. The headlock means you got a guy in a headlock. <laughs> if you every Bam. week enter from a box, boom, over. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I love people who are good at the thing, because when they try and vocalize it, it makes no fucking sense most of the time. I want to self-promote one of those masterclass things, but it's just Jim Cornette talking about how you book a territory. And then you get a fucking guy, he comes out, he says, I want equal rights. You don't want fucking equal rights, bitch. That's how you run a fucking wrestling territory, you fucking cunt. Let me fucking tell you some motherfuckers. Greta Thunberg is the inspiration for my new wrestler, Silent Joe Tree Lover. <laughs> you come out, he come out, he goes, uh, I think healthcare should be covered. Nobody fucking thinks that, you fucking bitch. Even fucking Democrats, you fucking cunt. So, Buddy Rogers, of course, is told to lose the title because he's walking around with an arm injury and takes time off, which you do not do in wrestling. He is, uh, if you listen to our Buddy Rogers episode, we of course touch on this. It's thought that he's faking an injury to try and get out of uh, jobbing, but he ends up losing to Luthez. If you hear Luthez talk about it, it's he pinned him in his goddamn self because uh, Buddy Rogers was such a fucking loser ass bitch that I had to pin him for the good of professional goddamn wrestling. But in reality, people liked Rogers, and cities have more money than small towns, unfortunately. This is also the political divide, um, cities versus small towns. But uh, Rogers gets pinned by Luthez, and business immediately goes down uh, with Luthez becoming champion. Absolutely. And also, Buddy Rogers is a conniving political bitch who I guarantee you're loved. He yeah. was, yes. And because the thing is, is Vince Sr. saw money. It's also Vince Sr. as much as he was part of the NWA. Like, all of these promoters could give a fuck about what they thought of him in uh, Pennsylvania. If Vince McMahon wasn't running Pennsylvania, he didn't care. Luthez was never going to play ball with the WWF in the way Buddy Rogers was, which, of course, uh, lays the stage for... Um, 
uh, Vince Sr. two split with the NWA. The other thing I just want to go back to is also the formation of the AWA is very important because like everything McMahon has ever done, they're not the first person to do it, but they are always the second person to do something. They're not going to... Uh, all of their best ideas have always been developed and done by someone or someone else somewhere else. Like how Stone Cold Steve Austin is essentially Sandman the... Like EC Bruiser? Yeah, like Sandman the f- good at wrestling man. You know what I'm saying? That's essentially who Stone Cold was. Yeah. Um, the Attitude Era was just ECW. Like they look at the cutting edge new thing copy it and do it better they are like the like british people with music british people take american music do it better and sell it back to america vigilant senior is clearly looking at how the nwa or the awa is doing after it leaves the nwa uh in the wake of the monopoly scandal sees all of the things that he can do realizes um here is how we're gonna fucking do this naughty's a naughty king I mean, see, British people did music better except for rap, and up until about 1985, and then it dropped off. Incorrect. Rap is back to being may is really good by British people now. It took them until 2017, but oh boy, absolutely not. Oh, you don't like Stormzy, you dumb bitch. Name another one. Uh, me. <laughs> I won. John Hastings, Stormzy, yeah. the two best UK rappers. I also, by the way, can't could probably only name about three. U.S. rappers, one of whom is Eminem, other one Dr. Dre, other one Snoop Dogg. There's Lil Baby, Da Baby. <laughs> nope, no idea who those people are. Well, they're huge. Lil Baby is 25. That's too old to be calling yourself. Lil I like this. I like the sounds of Lil you know Baby. I got to be honest with you. One of his lyrics, "Wham, wham, wham." I'm a baby. Very funny. I like the sound of this guy. It's in the entire. He's like, I got a sick car. I fucked your mom. Also, I'm a little baby. <laughs> I like. I really like the sound of Lil Baby. He's <laughs> he's taking the goddamn world by storm, this kid. So, Capital Wrestling, you're wondering what they were pushing for Buddy Rogers to lose the title as ASAP Rocky. Why? Because they wanted that ten thousand follower fucking bond back because of all the loss in revenue uh, from a having Buddy Rogers on the shelf. B, of course, they're hurting from the lawyer fees of the antitrust lawsuit, so they need that ten grand that you set up as bond when you get the uh, NWA title. Um, of course, uh, I I always assumed it was the wrestler that paid that, but I so uh, uh, suppose the promoter did. I mean, ten thousand dollars is a lot different in nineteen. I always thought the wrestler did actually. That's an interesting point. I think it's different case by case because Ric Flair obviously paid it himself which is why he was able to give the thing to vince mcgann jr is because he claimed he was never paid back mm-hmm. the deposit so he's like oh it's my it becomes my property now which is again not how those things work but also 1990 he's probably making dollar for dollar as much as vince senior did you know what i mean just because of inflation good point good point because he's probably making like three four hundred a year uh so ten thousand is kind of like okay like it sucks but i can do that and that's probably what the situation vince senior was in as well where he's like i don't want to spend ten thousand dollars but i also have ten thousand dollars early 1963 
Vince Sr. expands into Cleveland. This is all, of course, uh, he's, he's expanding uh, all over the place in the, uh, what are you at, Northeast? YOLO. Um, the title switch is done on January 24th, 1963. Uh, Rogers and Thez, he loses in Toronto. Both McMahon and Mushnick were in attendance. And apparently, this is uh, all rumor, of course, there was a 25000 performance bond being used to force Rogers' participation. With the truth already being explained, it was 10000 and half had already been returned, of course. Uh, it's also said that says threatened Rogers into com- complying with the switch. But, of course, who gives a fucking shit? Buddy Rogers is one of the first pro wrestlers oh, we know of today, which is highly political, uh, in-shape man who can defend himself, but in a bar fight. If you took any training, you're probably going to beat him up. Vince was splitting from the NWA, and he basically wanted a reason why he could p- keep the belt on Buddy Rogers. This, of course, was Luthez beating him in one fall, then again in a two-out-of-three falls match at Maple Leaf Gardens. In New York, Rogers uh, remained the champion because you don't have a central news agency, so you can just say he's still the champion. Capital stating that Rogers had only lost one fall, and the title couldn't be switched that way. So they just said it was 1-1, and that was the beauty of not having centralized news, <laughs> is that... You just fucking, he didn't lose then. You could just yeah, say that. Yeah, says you. And it's basically like, he beat this guy twice. Nah, nah, no. Actually, they don't even just say no. They just don't. It's so weird. Like, in the 50s, no one would go to another, like, it, but there was, it was so much more difficult to travel. You wouldn't go, just go to North Carolina for two days and come back. Like, it was a completely different world, completely different. Yeah, it's just so bizarre. I don't know. There must have been one guy. There must have been one guy who was like, went up for that match, or a couple guys who went up for the match to see what happened, watched it, and were like, oh, I guess friggin' Buddy Rogers isn't the champion anymore, and then showed up to New York, watched TV, and they were like, uh, no. No, he's, um, he's the champion still. He actually lost one, and was like, fuck wrestling. <laughs> so... This is when Vince McMahon secedes from the WWE or from the NWA and forms the WWWF. Now, the thing is, everyone thinks about this as a huge moment in professional wrestling history, but of course, it was not. It just kind of quietly happened because New York had a big enough market where the NWA still needed to promote there. They couldn't really be like, no, you have to stay with us. He was in many ways getting bigger than the NWA slowly. That's actually a very interesting insight. Is that because they finally figured out New York was a viable market, he had leverage over the NWA, and also because it was such a population base, and as we're heading into the 60s, booms with population as other areas start to deplete as people head slowly into urban centers, stuff like that, the NWA basically has to fucking play ball with Vince McMahon Sr., which means that he can head to Rio de Janeiro and hold the tournament to crown his own champion. And the other thing is that they never knew how to book well in New York. And New York has a huge population base, of course. It has a lot of uh, media in it, of course. We all know these things. But they couldn't book well in New York. Even as referenced, Luthez is not a good champion for the NWA to draw in New York. Luthez was not a good champion for the NWA to draw in New York in his prime. So now you've put the title on an aged Luthez when all they want to see in New York is Antonio Goddamn Roca, Bruno San Martino, and Buddy Rogers. They want to see an Italian man 
beat up someone who dresses too goddamn fancy. That's all they want. And what you're trying to give them is a guy doing a waist lock and telling them that if you put uh, too much black pepper on a steak, it's spicy and you have to throw it out. Yeah, uh, you need to be able to taste the blandness of the meat. No flavor. Let me just say this. I challenge Antonio Roca to an NWA title match and also those weird noodles you gave me, I think, are poison. And they're terrible, and you should only eat sandwiches, not a bunch of things that look like goddamn hair. I'm not eating For hair. reference, the uh, sandwiches he's talking about are, are the uh, noodles are talking about are french fries. He didn't know what those were. <laughs> I only eat steak and little sandwiches. 60 to 70 little sandwiches. Yeah. You have to be able to eat what you're eating with a knife bread, and fork with your hands. Something that small as those little potato noodles are too small to eat with your hands. You will cut yourself on the sharp edge. <laughs> John, can I ask you this question? Yes. First of all, what are you wearing? Kicky boots, small skirt. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about Vince McMahon Sr. during this period? Uh, favorite thing about Vince McMahon Sr.? That literally this entire decade could be personified as... Um, they keep trying to take him down, and he somehow gains strength from the adversity. Is investigated by the FBI in the 50s when they're at their most corrupt. Ends up uh, creating the template for his independence. Uh, is um, uh, facing his sponsored champion. Becomes a pariah with the rest of his al allied business partners. Uh, that turns into him becoming independent from them and being his own man running his own shop with his own champion that they have to do ball, play ball with. Every fucking time you think this guy's getting taken down, woo, it gives him power. Yeah, they think they have the answers. Vince McMahon Sr. changes the questions, baby. Yeah, but the, it's, that's exactly it. He's just talent over... It's honest to God, talent and results over anything that the NWA try to do. Like, the NWA at this point is around for 15 years. When when this starts, he's, they've been around for nine years. But once again, as I said, the best thing about him for me is that he just figured out how to book in New York and honestly made the type of professional wrestling that we all like and appreciate today, which is character and show over over convincing people that it's fake. No one care. This is the thing that Jim Cornette doesn't understand. You tell him. Tell him! And a lot of these guys don't understand. Everyone knew it was fake from the beginning. They just like to play along, man. That's all anyone wants. But you need to have... But on the other side, you need to have a... You need to have a certain amount of an outsider looking at wrestling and be like well that guy i know this is fake but that guy is intimidating that's the entire way that vince mcmahon jr books and it's the entire way everyone should book it's the way that uh, we were brought up on wrestling and it's the way it, it should be and as far as i'm concerned i know that sounds weird obviously do a bunch of juniors and like uh doing super entertaining matches and stuff like that is awesome but like for a casual fan the reason why there's no casual fans this is the wrestling the casual fans really like which was you get a goddamn guy from europe all he wants to do is eat his food in peace and a loud white man in a suit 
just keeps asking him to speak goddamn English, and then he beats him up. That's all wrestling I mean, is. I, That's all it ever. I've never. Been. I've. I can't believe I'm saying this. That is literally the description of all wrestling until about 1999, and basically, and then that's. A description. Yeah, exactly. Just be a rude tourist. Like that's all you need to be. All you need to be is a guy from Texas being like, ah, I want the French stuff that's uh, not cocking my ass, and then a French guy beats him up. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I would love for you to be there, but <coughs> I don't speak, dummy. Yeah, exactly. Just every wrestling character could be a tourist, like a guy in a Hawaiian shirt coming down with a big camera, and uh, he just takes a picture of your wife's tits and said, best thing I've seen in Italy, and then you just beat him <laughs> up. That's that's wrestling. The worst thing about Vince Go ahead. McMahon uh, Tell me what it is. Senior probably is the way he uh, raised his son. Yeah, I'm going to give that to you. We didn't really cover it. Uh, this is also the time frame in which Vince McMahon Jr. comes into Vince McMahon Sr.'s life. Uh, when we eventually get to that, we will discuss what occurred in that time frame. Let me reveal some stuff to you now. Vince McMahon Jr.'s childhood, not as happy as you would think. Yeah, watch the movie Room. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, just think of that. It's the movie Room. <laughs> just think of that part in Schindler's Hist where someone hides in the outhouse and then someone else tells him to fuck off because that's his hiding space. And that's essentially Vince McMahon's childhood. Well, him... I mean, to psychoanalyze it quickly before we get to the episodes of Vince McMahon's childhood, um, hanging out with Dr. Jerry Graham is very much a cry for his dad's attention that is then not answered. Like, you're hanging out with the dude who, in front of the FBI, shit-talked your dad and is drunk 24 <laughs> hours of the day, seven days of the week, driving around in a Corvette. Like... There's no way that's not a cry for, hey, dad, pay attention to me. And his dad just like, well, appears my son's hanging out with a ruffian. Very well. I'm going to go convince Sam Mushnick that Luthez is trying to cheat on him, uh, cheat on his wife with him. Yeah, let's uh, quickly head out to a uh, secret apartment uh, where I just keep uh, photographs of uh, my mom in various negligees. Vince, what do you think? Um, <laughs> Dr. Jerry Graham, I, I don't understand why you have a secret apartment. You live by yourself. Oh, it's a secret, even from the real me. <laughs> oh, this is for drunk. Yeah, me. this is. Thanks very much for listening, guys. I don't think I said the worst thing about Vince McMahon Sr. The worst thing about Vince McMahon Sr. is. Um, Every decision he made was made with selfishness, arrogance, and evil. The man is just... There you go. Yeah, he's just an archetype of an American capitalist in the 50s. How does this benefit me? And also, if it hurts someone else, that's good, too. Yeah, he shouldn't have uh, had kids. He's just another one of those people who had kids because if you look at the Vince McMahon Jr. or Sr. in 2020, he just doesn't have kids because he knows he's too selfish, but... The, the pressure from the family and everything was too much that you, he just had kids because that was the thing to do back then. That's for sure what happened. Yeah. He basically had kids because it was either kids or used condoms in the 50s, which was just a photograph of the president looking at you. <laughs> exactly. So that's the end of the episode, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, of course, you can get us on Twitter and Instagram at Wrestler Review. Facebook.com backslash Wrestler Review as well. The Wrestler Review podcast on Facebook. And Patreon.com backslash Wrestler Review. Patreon.com backslash Wrestler Review. We'll be working on an extra Patreon episode on The Great Power Udi. The Great Power Udi. And you get re episodes ahead of time. If we 
can record them ahead of time because we are both stand-up comedians and we have fun, fun shows coming up. You can get all my shows at Dylan Gott on Twitter. I'll be advertising the shows. That's at Dylan Gott on Twitter. And that's at the John Hastings on Twitter. John, what do you have to promote, you fat... Soho Theater, 6th to the 8th in London. Please attend... Australia tour now on sale. All tickets at my website, thejohnhastings.com, johnhastingscomedy.com, Melbourne Comedy Festival, Canberra Comedy Festival, Brisbane Comedy Festival, and ladies and gentlemen, please go buy Graham K's album and then use the comment section on the iTunes profile for his album, Girlfriend Material, as a forum for this podcast. Comment about CM Punk being the host of Fox Sports 1's shitty show. Talk about how Graham doesn't like fat loads, even though it's funny. Just write the fra- <laughs> just write the phrase Dylan Gott is here to suck. So the a real thing that you can do to help out uh our mutual friend and eventually it will be revealed uh child abductor Grant Oh yeah is that you if you have Apple Music you can listen to his podcast or his podcast. You can listen to his album all the way through and it'll give him a bit of money. Even if you don't like the first track, just keep it going. Put it on silent. If it plays all the way through, literally I think he gets three dollars. Someone told me that. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. And yeah, and you can also look at the album art and think this is a really funny album that's clearly been conducted by someone who is a sadosexual um pervert in a variety of descriptions because he approved this is the artwork for his comedy album. True say. Thanks very much for listening, guys, and uh, we'll be back next week with Vince McMahon Sr. Part 3.